Welcome to Weekly Homilies. Each week we present a homily by Father Mark Suslenko, pastor of the community of St. Isidore and Maria in beautiful Glastonbury, Connecticut. These are introduced by myself, Jonathan Sozek, director of our community's Faith Formation Office. For more about Father Mark and the life of our community, please head over to isidoreandmaria.org. Today, we present Season 2, Episode 10 of this podcast. We'll hear Father Mark's homily from February 24th, 2019, the seventh Sunday in Ordinary Time, Year C. The Gospel for this week is Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 38. Let's listen now to that reading, then hear Father Mark's response. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, To you who hear, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. To the person who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other one as well. And from the person who takes your cloak, do not withhold even your tunic. Give to everyone who asks of you, And from the one who takes what is yours, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. For if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend money to those from whom you expect repayment, What credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. But rather, love your enemies and do good to them, and lend expecting nothing back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Stop judging, and you will not be judged. Stop condemning, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and gifts will be given to you. A good measure, packed together, shaken down, and overflowing, will be poured into your lap. For the measure with which you measure will in turn be measured out to you. The Gospel of the Lord We live in a society when even if we want to believe that our lives are private, they really are not at all. The advances in social media, for example, have made us all somewhat public figures. As we conduct the business of our lives, think How many times someone may have their phone videoing a certain situation that may be occurring? Quite often, we find ourselves in pictures that we never thought we were taken. Our lives certainly have a public arena. In addition, it's very easy, whether through YouTube or the news, Facebook, or whatever venue, to find ourselves viewing a particular situation 
finding ourselves believing, perhaps, that we're seeing one thing when, in effect, something else is really occurring. In the matter of an instant, a video or a picture can be sent to thousands. And in the matter of an instant, if improperly interpreted, lives can be changed and reputations ruined. Whether what we see is true or not, the advances in social media, once it finds its way into someone's phone or their inbox, carries a truth whether it is true or not, because it's communicated over and over again. Even in our own relationships, those closest to us, our associations, and those people that just are part of our everyday experience, people we meet in the grocery store or pass on the street or meet on the road, we can so often witness behavior and automatically conclude that the reason for the behavior is A, B, or C. We can see someone who perhaps appears to have a scowl on their face and conclude immediately that they're angry. If someone neglects to greet us as they pass us by, we simply conclude that we're being ignored. But yet that may not be the motivation behind that action at all. And the conclusion that we come to can, in every sense of the word, be the furthest from the truth. As human beings, we are very quick to judge, very quick to presume that we know really what is going on. Such leads us quickly to the sin of presumption, which is part of the reason Jesus is so particular in his commands. As we listen to what he says to us, words that I hope are uncomfortable to hear because they ought not be received easily. Don't judge. Love your enemies. If somebody wants something from you, give them more besides. If someone hurts you, forgive them. Love your enemies. Don't associate just with those who are like you. Associate with those who are not like you and who may not like you. As you look around, don't go to where it's comfortable. Go to where it's uncomfortable. Love and forgive. If someone hurts you, don't fight back. Don't defend and don't retaliate. As we listen to those words and we contemplate our lives, we may find ourselves coming to a very interesting conclusion, and it's this. Jesus is nuts. He's crazy. If somebody hurts me, I'm going to just let them do that? If somebody attacks me, I'm going to let them just do so? How about for those I love? Where does this lead us? Jesus surely must be crazy. He can't be thinking about 
my situation. As we listen to those words, is Jesus really crazy? Or is there God wisdom here that is challenging human wisdom? It would help us to understand the reason Jesus goes to this place of cautioning against judgment, of asking us to forgive those who hurt us, and mapping out this philosophy of life which doesn't seem quite right to the human ear. And it starts with a word in theology that explains where he's coming from a bit. And the word is incarnation, incarnation. It's best understood with some very simple words that we hear in John's gospel, the opening words. In the beginning, the word was with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We hear this over the Christmas season. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. In our understanding of God, we make a big mistake. We make a big mistake. We tend to think that God only comes to us when we clean our house. So in other words, if the house of my soul is dirty, God's not going to come. So I've got to say the right prayers and do the right things and embrace the right behaviors and have a clean soul before God's going to come and pay me a visit. And then once the house is in order and I'm all set to go, then God will come and dwell with me. But God doesn't want to come into my dirty house, so I must not be worthy yet of a visit from the divine. The word became flesh and dwelt among us brings us in a totally different direction. Regardless of our behaviors, regardless of our attitudes, regardless of what we've done, God still dwells with us with every human being and with every created thing, the presence of God dwells within. You see, it's never either or. It's never just the divine or the human in our hearts. We can't get rid of God. God is in us. That's the incarnation. God dwells with us. And so God's presence is on the good and the bad, the just and the unjust, whether we like to believe that or not. And so there's no conditions on where God's presence is to be found. And so if I understand this incarnational God, this God who dwells with us, then I'm going to be able to see God not only in my spouse or my friend or in the animal that's running in the woods or the fish that's in the bottom of the ocean, but I'm also going to be able to see God in the person who doesn't like me and the person who is not like me, unconditionally. So it goes against God's nature to judge his other children. He says, don't do it. Now, we can easily say to ourselves, okay, does that mean everything just goes? No, no. When Jesus met the sinner, he didn't baptize the sin, but he didn't judge the condition of the heart either. He called it what it was and then offered God's forgiveness and mercy. 
He didn't say, oh, don't worry about it. He said, go sin no more. And so we have to be careful about judging the human heart and the disposition of a human heart and judging the motivation that we think people are bringing to things. At the end of the day, if we really believe that this is the way God works, then our faith and our spiritual life is going to begin to enlighten us, and that happens through a life of prayer. That's why it's so important as believers to develop that very strong habit of prayer, to focus on the ways of God and where I am as an individual. Because at the end of the day, while the goal is very simple, it's also difficult to achieve because we are called to see the world as Christ and to be Christ in the world. See the world as Christ and be Christ in the world. And that as people as of the church who make up the body of Christ, when people see the church, they also ought to see Jesus. We need to look like Jesus. So how would that change how we interact and act in our world? I think it would change a lot. A lot. What keeps us from achieving this goal? What is the stumbling block? Well, it's basically ourselves. It's ourselves. Again, whether we like it or not, we all carry barnacles within. As much as we think we're fully functioning human beings on the plus 10 side of the spectrum of functionality, we're not. There is incompleteness and darkness in every single one of us. There's a part of us we don't want others to see. We keep it hidden. There's a part of us that we don't even want God to see. It's called our sinfulness, our weakness, our limitations. It's that part of us that truly wants to be God ourselves and not allow someone else to lead us. And so as long as we haven't made friends with what's within us, the darkness, the evil that is in every human heart, as long as we don't see our own capacity to sin, as long as we don't understand our own ability to fall into weakness, how am I going to understand yours if I don't get it about myself? If I don't know that I have the capacity to truly hurt someone, well, how am I going to accept the fact that you have that same thing going on in you as well? And that's where we fall into these dark places and where we're blinded by our own ignorance, so to speak. But that habit of prayer the sacraments of the church can all call us back to the vision that we are called to have about the world and one another. And so we're coming upon this sacred time of year of Lent, and everybody asks that question, what am I going to do for Lent this year? What do I want to make of this season? Well, how about becoming more like Christ? That at the end of the 40 days that we embrace, that we end up looking a little bit more like Jesus that we deal with some of our unresolved stuff, that we unpack this soul, this spirit, 
that has accumulated so much stuff over the years, the anger, the bitterness, the unfulfilled desires, the sinfulness, the imperfection, the bad choices, all of it, and allow it to be healed so they become transformed, transformed. At the end of the day, the words of Jesus reflect God's vision and God's plan. Where the rubber meets the road is where human wisdom gives way to divine wisdom. May we take the opportunity that every day brings of conforming ourselves more to the image of Christ, which is the call of each of the baptized. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.